Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of My Point of View with me, Camila. Hello everybody, welcome, welcome back, welcome if you're new. I'm a 22-year-old college student from Argentina having a lifestyle career-based podcast. That shows you that life is easier if you consider things from a different point of view. I was there, I, I paused there for a bit because I was thinking about what's going to happen in December once I'm not a student anymore. What am I going to say on my intros? I'm going to have a whole crisis about that problem <laughs> and it's gonna be sad bittersweet actually it's gonna be happy and sad all at the same time but hello everybody welcome i'm gonna try to make my intros shorter as you know i'm the editor of seeing other people and alana has been doing really short intros and it's inspiring me to do shorter intros and to do them the day that she records the episode just so she doesn't forget. Because if you have listened to my past few intros, I almost forget to record my intros almost every time. And I have to record them last minute. And it's like this whole thing. And I don't want them to be a whole thing. But how are you doing? This episode is going to be out in September. So what the hell? September? I mean, wh- no, no, what? No, like there is no it's not okay the fact that it is september like i feel like that's crazy insane like not okay what happened with 2021 the fact that we are almost finished with 2021 what no 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 that is not okay that is not okay uh, but if you have listened to my last episode with taylor woods you know that i live in 2016 basically all day every day i think i'm 18 so yeah <laughs> But yeah, um, it's September and even though here in Argentina, the 21st is not the beginning of fall, it's the beginning of spring because we have different seasons from the Northern Hemisphere. I started watching Gilmore Girls. I started in August uh, because, of course, it's kind of chilly still and it gives me major Gilmore Girls vibe and everyone started watching Gilmore Girls, so I felt like I needed to watch Gilmore Girls and I forgot how much I love it. And I have so many opinions about the show and I'm not going to ramble on and on. But oh my God, I love the grandparents so much. I've always have. They remind me of mine, especially the grandpa reminds me of what my grandpa used to be like. Like, so I don't know. I, I love Kimogoro so much. Um, and of course, they're not specifically that. They're not, they were not super rich or whatever. But I don't know. There are nice things about that. And I feel like not many shows shows you that family dynamic and all of that like having Friday dinners and just hanging out with your family sometimes and like straight A students like Rory usually people just don't give a fuck and it's kind of weird um but I love the wholesomeness of that show and the family vibes and all of that so yeah I just want to tell you all to start watching Gilmore Girls if you haven't yet rewatch it if you have never watched it are you okay are you okay you need to watch Gilmore Girls but yeah that's it <laughs> but now i'm gonna go talk now i'm gonna talk a little bit about today's episode i don't want to go on and on because it's kind of like an hour-long episode but it has so much so much value so much importance so many points were made on this episode i just finished recording it and i'm still in awe of maddie and her i mean oh my god i love it i loved it i think i'm gonna need to have her back with her co-founder in march when i do my women's march again to kind of do a little female founding app episode because I feel like that would be really good for women's part. For that is so long ago. That is, what? No, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'm here with the co-founder of Hurt Social, Maddie Dewey. 
And third is a social space focused on community over comparison. By throwing out the social scale, empowering casual creativity, and providing experience autonomy, Herd aims to restore authentic expression. Herd is the greener posture grown from honesty, empathy, respect, and discovery. I love it. Herd is um, available on the, on the US and on Canada, but it's soon, hopefully, <laughs> going to be available all over the world. Actually, Herd is basically a healthy social media, which I mean, it's a dream, isn't it? Healthy social media is a dream. Um, and here with Maddie, we talked so much about... As, first, we started with her experience. He graduated from college and went to Google to work on Google and YouTube. Um, and then we talked a lot about how Herd came about. What are her favorite features about her for the people that may not have not maybe used it yet? Um, and then we talked a lot about social media and what why she felt like she needed or why she wanted to create um, a, a healthy social media. Like, what was the problem with the social media we have now? We talked a lot about the social dilemma, the algorithms, um, the problem about social media that women mostly use being created by men, um, the comparison on social media, the whole trend about romanticizing and being quote-unquote that girl, um, and all of that. That is so important to listen to. It's so important to listen to this episode. If you're going to listen to one episode of my podcast, you need to listen to this episode, okay? Because so many points were made and I am uh, I'm guilty. I was going to say a victim. I'm not a victim. I am guilty of being uh, going to social media and comparing myself, having photos to kind of copy and not being the exact same, um, not feeling good enough, comparing my routines to a very curated reel on Instagram and all of that, and yeah, I feel like this episode just opened my eyes and realized that I don't have to be quote-unquote that girl, I can be myself and my girl, and that's the only girl that I can and want to be, you know, because if you're doing the videos on being quote-unquote that girl, you need to, what we talked in this episode, you need to remove the likes and the shares and the followers and think about why you're doing the, why you're doing that trend why you're following that are you doing it because you want to or are you doing it because of the likes you know and I feel like you never really stop and think about that and that's very important and I really enjoy that and I'm really excited for you all to listen to this episode so I'm just gonna leave you now don't forget to follow me on my point of view the podcast on Instagram talking about social media and if you're listening on Apple podcast please 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 leave a five-star rating and review I will be very thankful. And yeah, I'm just going to leave you with the episode now. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of My Point of View. And today I have a very exciting guest. Hi, Mari. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Hi, thank you so much for coming on. So do you want to give a little bit of an introduction for the people that may not know who you are, like name, age, location, occupation, something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. My name is Maddie Dewey. I am the co-founder and CEO of Herd Social, a new social platform focused on building community through authentic expression. I am 24 years old, if I didn't already say that, and I live in Los Angeles, California. Wow, that's so crazy that you're 24, I'm 22. So it's insane that you have like an app and everything now. <laughs> well, you know, if I were talking to 22-year-old me, that definitely wouldn't be what I thought I was doing two years from there. So it's kind of crazy how, how quickly life can change and how quickly you can like find something you're really passionate about and then just go for it. 
I know. I feel like also like your 20s, like the early, the mids and the late 20s are like different lifetimes. I don't know if you feel that, but I feel like in one lifetime, I'm thinking sometimes about like 24, 25, that is not that far away from me. Like I'm turning 23 in December. So I'm just like, imagine 25. Like I have so many plans for me and imagine myself like at 18, it was another lifetime. Like I feel like there's like a three, four year period, which are like lifetimes for me. I'm just like, imagine high school me telling her that I have a podcast. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. I'm turning 25. So I'm like on the later half of 24. I'm turning mm. 25 in a month. And I was cleaning out my phone last night and I was looking back on my iCloud and there's photos from high school and videos from high school. Wow. And I'm just looking back at them laughing because I had no idea what was in store and you're so right like the mid-20s it feels like a very I'm entering like a very different chapter of my 20s than I have been for the last few years yeah yeah exactly I I don't know I feel I love my 20s so far but I feel like there's so much in store yet for you for me even for the people that are like at 27 I feel like those last three years are also so like important I don't know I have a whole thing about 20s. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like your 20s can be over glamorized in a lot of ways. Like you think about like, mm -hmm. oh, your 20s are like yeah. the most fun part of your adolescence. But in reality, like your 20s are actually kind of confusing. You're like trying to figure out your way and like yeah. who you are. And there's a lot of pressure on weird timelines and to make the most of it. And I just feel like I'm trying to eliminate that as much as possible for my brain because there's no one right way to do your 20s. No, I love that. No, but also I feel like what you said, like the pressure, there's so much pressure, especially from like older generations to be at a, a specific place because like, I feel like the 20s are now like the 30s are the new 20s now or something mm -hmm. like that. But also I feel like with all that pressure, we forget that these are some, not just the funnest years. I think that you can have fun all your life. So sometimes I'm yeah. like, it doesn't end with your 20s, but no. I feel like there are like the formative years. Not to be like whatever you do now is completely like permanent and you cannot take it back, but just like to think everything you go through, like these are your first failures, your first experiences. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's just so crazy sometimes. Mm -hmm. I still feel 18 some days and some days I feel like I'm 30. Like I'm on that <laughs> same when you're like, I'm an adult or not, maybe in the middle. <laughs> uh -huh. No, that's that's how I feel all the time. Some days I'm I'm very much mature and other days I'm like, I don't know who I am. And I, yeah, I think the reason there's so much pressure on your 20s too is like, it's a great time to learn. That's the biggest thing that I try to focus on is right now I have the, the freedom, not that you won't always have that again, but like, I don't have a ton of responsibility outside of taking care of myself. And so I have the freedom to explore and learn and fail with minimal risk. Whereas when you get older and you have potentially like more financial responsibilities or you're taking care of other humans, that of course is going to add pressure onto the decisions yeah. that you make. Yeah, of course. I totally agree. So now going back to the episode, I love that chat about 20s because I have so many opinions sometimes. And yeah, it's crazy to see because I usually chat with 20 somethings and everyone is at a different stage in their life, like every single one of them. So it's just nice to sit back and be like, huh, yeah, we're all in different stages, but I feel like we all learn similar things, whatever it is that we're doing, you know? Totally. So I usually ask this question to every guest. It's like a little section. I started in the pandemic and I now kind of have a difficult time explaining it to everyone, but it's just kind of to kickstart the conversation. So how are you really doing this week? Just to chat a little bit honesty and yeah. 
I love that question. This week has been a weird one for me, if I'm being honest. Um, we just, we have had at Herd a team of three people. It's been myself, my co-founder, Allie, and our lead developer, Ryan. And it's been like this nice, easy going. We don't have a ton of structure. It's just been us all bouncing ideas off of one another. And this week we had mm-hmm. two more engineers start. And once you have five, it's like a full team effort. Yeah. And on Monday, just having a first call where it's like, oh my goodness, I am leading a team of four other people. I am responsible for these people's like well-being at work and making sure that they have enough work to do and that everything's organized. Like it was just this weird moment of like, oh my God, I'm a real adult. So like we were just talking about, like I, I definitely had one of those. Um, and with app development, it's always a roller coaster. Like you're going to have moments that are really amazing and you're going to like live on that high. And then there's going to be moments that are really tough and you have to pivot and you have to figure it out. And we're in the process of kind of redoing a, a good section of the app and making sure that the experience for the user is really focused on community versus just content creation, which is what it's been to date. And so anytime you're making like those types of decisions that are going to potentially lead to like a really good outcome or really not successful outcome. Uh, it always can be stressful. So I, I have focused this week on like prioritizing, getting the stuff done that I need to get done. But there's been moments where I'm like, am I doing this right? Or am I completely insane? And you know, maybe I am a little bit insane, but I I've come to accept that and kind of love the fact that I'm on this journey regardless. I I love that. <laughs> I love that. I feel like that we all think that, but also, again, I feel like you're so young, not to like undermine you, but like, it's amazing that you're so young and you're like the founder and CEO of an app and a social media app. And we're going to talk a lot about that later on the episode, but to be like the leader of a team and an employer and people's salaries and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's a lot of pressure also to put on yourself sometimes, which is a good pressure to have. I mean, to be mm-hmm. the founder of an app must be amazing, but it's not all rainbows and butterflies. So, I mean, I feel like you have to keep your mental health in check all the time, not just for you, but for your team and, mm-hmm. and everyone's well-being overall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Mental health is a big conversation. Like, I think that companies need to take a stance on making sure that they're protecting their employees' mental health and like making an active effort and putting aside the time for them to do what is going to help them feel happy and healthy. And so knowing that that's the mindset I want to have from day one, it's like actually putting the things in place to not only do that for my employees, but also now for myself. Like it's so easy to forget about yourself when you're trying to do it um, and lead the company. Yeah. Yeah. And with this podcast, I had met so many like female founders and I feel mm-hmm. like it's amazing the new environment they want to uh, implement, you included now, in their companies. And now all that corporate America kind of toxic hustle culture part of everything is kind of, mm-hmm. we're all throwing it to the side and going into a more healthy work situation and workplace. And I'm so happy about that. I'm a freelancer, so I don't have like that kind of workplace uh, mm-hmm. for now, but I don't know. I love to hear about it because I feel I always felt like it was so necessary to keep mental health more in check and overall everyone's well-being. I feel like sometimes corporate America and not just corporate America, any like corporate situation in any part of the world, it's so like toxic and insane sometimes and like hustle culture intense. Um, so I'm glad I get, I'm glad I get to meet so many female founders that are kind of like changing the path, you know? 
Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I definitely think it's going to be a different work working environment when we have more female founded companies, especially in the tech space. I came from big tech. So I had thankfully had worked at a company where they talked a lot about mental health and well-being. But I think there's a difference between talking about it and providing resources and making sure also on the like day to day level that the way that people are being managed and that things are being prioritized is also protective. And I hope that more women um, coming into the space will help with that. Exactly. I love that. So now getting into the episode, I feel like you have uh, such an, I don't know, I feel like so interested about you, like when you graduated college that you got to work in like Google and YouTube, which I feel like are like the two most wanted companies in the world to work at because they're so big. So what was your major at college and how did you find those jobs or where do you started with like your job search and all of that? Yeah, so it's probably not what you would expect uh, going into Google and, and YouTube. I studied public relations and advertising at a film school in Southern California, and it was much more entertainment focused. A lot of people that I graduated with went to work in Hollywood as publicists or at PR firms and agencies there. For me, I knew that um, entertainment and being in LA was not what I wanted in terms of a career. I'm back here now with my family, but I knew that right after college, I needed to get away from Southern California, and I was really fascinated by tech. Um, prior to college and like in high school, I, was, I wanted to be a nutritionist. I wanted to go into science. I was really fascinated by science and math. And so um, obviously, I got to explore more of my creativity in college, which was great, but I wanted to combine kind of both of those interests. And for me, I mean, like you said, like Google is a dream place, I think, for a lot of people. And... I paid for college completely on my own. And so I needed to work for a company where I knew financially I'd be able to support the education that I just got myself into debt for. And um, so Google was one of those places. But going into like my second semester of my senior year, I applied to over 150 jobs, I want to say. And I got to two, yeah, yeah. And I got to two interviews. One was at Walmart e-commerce, so their like uh, website branch of their company, and the other final interview was with Google. I'd been denied from small agencies, from big agencies, from tiny companies, startups. Like I didn't even get an interview until it came to Google. So I think that just goes to show that wow. what's meant for you will <laughs> will come. And just because you've gotten a thousand no's doesn't mean you're you're not going to get a yes at the right time from the right person. And so I moved to Chicago right after college, like a month after graduation to start at Google in a rotational program there uh, focused on advertising. And I didn't really know anything about digital advertising. Is it like, have you ever watched that movie? Um, the Intern? Sorry, not to cut you off, but there's a movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that movie yep. of the two guys that work at Google in the internship. Yeah. <laughs> Is it mm-hmm. like that? <laughs> so it's funny because I had never seen that movie And then I got the job at Google and everyone's like, you have to watch it. And I didn't really watch the whole thing, but the intro where they're at orientation and they, I think they go down a slide. Like I actually did go down a slide at orientation. So, um, (laughs) so that part was accurate for sure. But um, it's just kind of funny that there was a movie about, about that experience as a nuclear, as they call it. Yeah, I love, I love that. Sorry to cut you off, but it's always like a curious thing when I see something in a movie and people go in like real life. I'm like, is it really like is this? It I'm a big like fan this? of movies, so I'm always asking. 
<laughs> right. No, I think that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was definitely a question I got asked a lot um, when from my friends and family who are so curious. I think it's super normal. Because also I feel like the the cover of the movie, like the poster was like very Google related. So everyone just watched it because of that, you know? Oh, exactly. They totally played into that. But yeah, you do get the little hats with like the spinning wheels. It was a very fun or getting started at Google was one of the most exciting times of my life. I mm-hmm. had never experienced the way that they took care of us, the way that we got to do all of these amazing, cool team bonding events. And I got to fly to Mountain View for orientation. It was just, it was like starting at a, at a university. Like you really feel like you're getting mm-hmm. up to be a part of something bigger than you. And um, they do a great job of making you, regardless of what your job is, whether you're technical or non-technical, feel like you're a part of this bigger mission and vision and goal. Um, and so I loved absolutely loved being a part of it. The program that I was a part of post-grad taught me so much. I went in knowing basically nothing about digital advertising. And by the end of it felt like a complete subject matter expert and got exposure to so many amazing like older mentors to me, people that had been in their career, you know, for 20 plus years. And so I look back on that year that I lived in Chicago in the program for like a very fond time, not only professionally, but like personally going that far away from home was, I think, really good for me. And then that led me into not rotating anymore. I was no longer part of the rotational program, but I was still doing ads at Google. I moved to Seattle to work with a large customer out there, helping them with their advertising strategy. And then the pandemic hit and (laughs) I was left. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was left, you know, sitting in my Seattle apartment far away from my family. I lived alone and it was this moment of what am I doing? Do I actually care about advertising? Do I actually want to be doing digital advertising? Like, I don't know if this is what I want. And I miss that creativity that I had in college. And so I started posting on TikTok uh, just around storytelling and marketing and how to think about um, performance from a creator perspective and just built a very small audience over there. But that allowed me to start consulting with creators and brands, working as a freelancer to just help them with their video strategy. And that's ultimately, after a few months of doing that, what led me uh, to go work at YouTube, which YouTube's owned by Google. So thankfully, it was just a transfer uh, for me and did that for around eight months before going on her full time. Wow, that's amazing. And so from working on those two bigger companies, what are some of like the main lessons that you got from there that you now kind of implement on Hurt Social and everything I think that you do? Because I feel like sometimes in jobs, you get lessons that help you your whole life, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, the amount of lessons I learned in those three years. (laughs) I think on the Google side, I really learned the power of giving people a chance to learn and bringing them into a position, maybe when they don't have the exact skill set, but seeing what they can do when they get the right education and the right training. Like for me, I felt like I, I learned really fast and I had people that believed in me, but if they wouldn't have taken that risk on someone who didn't have the, the exact experience, I would have never had the chance to learn as much as I did. And like, do as much as I did at that job. So I feel like taking a risk on people that have um, the passion and the drive and the eagerness to learn is something that I will always take with me and, and definitely want when we're hiring people for her, I want to see the potential in people and help nurture that potential versus just requiring you to have the exact set of skills that we need. Um, 
the other thing is how to manage people. I was really lucky to have a lot of super strong people managers at Google and YouTube, and they're now friends of mine and mentors. And I feel like I learned the way that you can manage correctly without being a micromanager or without telling someone that they're doing something wrong. And so that was definitely a something that I, I learned and take with me and I'm using actively this week <laughs> as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I Again, I feel like those those companies again are the, like the dream companies movies are made from working uh, about working there like it's the dream and I feel like it's so good that you got to work there and experience that actually also after like creating your app and getting to work full-time for your app but now that we're talking on about her and her social for the people that don't know what it is what is her social yeah so Herd was started out of this mission and vision for a non-toxic social media environment Ali and I have been on Instagram since we were 15 years old. I was one of the first million users of Instagram. And when the wow. pandemic, yeah, I know, kind of crazy. Um, and when the pandemic hit, I was left alone in my apartment, like I mentioned, and was using social media as a way to stay connected. And, and likewise with Ali, she's from Minnesota and was also living in Seattle. And so we went to this, this platform to go and find community and connection. And we didn't feel like we were getting that. We didn't feel like it was what we were promised. In fact, we felt worse. And then you look at the research around mental health and social media usage, and it's very clear that um, social media usage just really derails a lot of youth's mental health in particular. And so Herd's vision is to create a new social landscape, one that is actually focused on community and connection, allowing people to build a digital community, have people online that they wouldn't have access to, but all of that through the perspective of authentic photo sharing and authentic expression. Uh, we firmly believe that right now, because of the metrics, the follower counts, the likes, the blue checks, everything that exists in the current landscape, people aren't able to actually express themselves. And so the, when they're going to connect with other people, it's from a place of inauthenticity, and that's never going to drive deep community. So in short, Herd is the place where you can build community by authentically expressing yourself. It feels so refreshing to hear that. I feel like I don't know. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with social media as I feel everyone has because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I spend many hours of my day on Instagram. I work on Instagram. Like, it's, I cannot, I don't want to, like, delete it from the face of the earth. Of course not. Right. But I've been on Instagram for, like, so long. I was 15 also. I feel like it's the first, 2015, 2014. Oh, my God. I don't even remember. I think 2014, but don't quote me on that and I've had such a love-hate relationship with the app with the people on the app I've struggled a lot with comparison on social media as I feel many people have um and so like so much I feel like social media I don't know have you have you I, I probably you have have you watched the social dilemma Yeah, it's really funny. We were like a month into working on Herd when that came out and it was just fire to the fuel or fuel to the fire. I can never get that saying right. But yeah, it just added like it added momentum for us for sure. Yeah, there's so many things that stood out from that documentary to me. But one specific part was the guy that created the like, I think it was on Gmail. But I just I just thought about like he said, like, yeah, we created a like as something nice to get people connected and be like, hey, I like this. 
and then it became like everyone's like measure of self-worth and you're like that's just insane like I feel bad when I don't get a specific amount of likes or I see people don't follow me I mean I created this podcast and the second thing I did after creating the RSS feed was creating Instagram like I didn't even think about it mm-hmm. um, my mom has a, slow, a, a small business and she works on like promotes it on Instagram and it's just like you're all comparing ourselves but we're also like selling our stuff and kind of like putting all of our I don't know I feel I have so many emotions about Instagram so I'm all over the place with this but I don't know I feel like it's so refreshing to listen to kind of having like a healthier vision to social media because I feel like again I don't think they were created in the sense of being like hey we want you to compare yourself and measure your self-worth on followers and likes but it ended up being like that and you're like oh my god (laughs) you know I feel like it kind of turned into that and I mean you can find the good thing again I feel like I don't know I feel like community and social media is kind of like a huge topic and we can get into that if you want to but I feel like there is community and also there is not community like you can find people that you like and talk and get be friends like we connected through Instagram for example but Mm -hmm. sometimes people follow you just to compare themselves or just to like be like okay I'm gonna be better than her or whatever so yeah community and social media is like a big thing what's your opinion on that yeah oh my god well everything you said is just amazing and I completely agree with I think talking about like small businesses in your podcast like Instagram has done so much for entrepreneurs and I think especially female entrepreneurs and so I would hate to sit here and be like Instagram is all bad I don't think that's the case at all I actually just think we're using it in the wrong way I think that Instagram is great for showcasing, you know, the professionals, not professional, but like the the most appealing side of you, the the brand that you want to create. But it's not the place to like really stay connected deeply in a way that's meaningful. It's not a way to find new friends um, easily and actually have an authentic conversation with them, right? So it's great that we have the platform. I think if you would have talked to me even a year ago, I'd have been like, forget Instagram. But no, I actually think it serves a very... A great purpose and especially like shopping and if you want to find recommendations like influencers are a great source of product recommendation so I think all of that's awesome but the real white space I think in the social uh, landscape right now for women in particular is community because when you hear the word community like you mentioned it's used in so many ways that I think the term has been diluted and community as people is it's so important to us we are social creatures like we need community around us that's existed long before our phones and computers and tech existed and so where we've gotten it wrong is how we think about communities being built online right now communities are being built centered typically around one person the influencer or the content creator right they have this brand they have all of these followers and they call their followers, their community. Yeah. That's not a community. Those are people that are following you. There's a difference. Community would be removing that influencer saying, what brings all of these people together and how do we allow them to have conversations one-to-one, one-to-five versus this one-to-many hierarchy that we have existing. And so when we're talking yeah. about you know, waiting for that one person to respond instead of all the people that are responding exactly. on like a Facebook group or something like that. Exactly. Like that's why Facebook groups can be really great because you have a way to converse with a large amount of people and actually have conversation. 
um, versus this, you know, influencer piece. But what I'm seeing is a lot of people going onto Facebook groups because of the influencer that they follow, right? They have this person and they're like, oh, I want to join this secret Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, So So she talked to me and she knows who I am. (laughs) Right. And so then I can talk to the other people that follow them because the people that follow, if you follow an influencer and you're like a, a diehard, quote unquote, cult follower of an influencer, there's pillars of that influencer of their brand that you probably share with all of those people. You probably share more with those people than you do with that one person. And so that's really the focus of Herd is like, okay, how do we create a space where everyone is an influencer because everyone is able to find that community to express themselves the way that they want. And I really want it to be a place where your brand on herd is like truly authentically you, you're posting what you want to do. It is not a curated version. So you don't have content pillars around what you're building. Like it is just you as the person. I hate content pillars. They're so hard to come up with. Mm-hmm. I, I had this whole like, seminar courses for instagram and like the first course and they were like the first thing you need to do is think about content pillars and i'm like i create the episodes i do the whole thing i edit them i know i have to think content pillars to fill the instagram i'm like oh my god right. Right. um and also i feel like instagram is good for small like entrepreneurs and business at a certain point and then it's like oh but you need 10,000 followers for this and you need 10,000 followers for that and you need to be verified and you need that and then people get like follower obsessed and then the only thing you see is your follower count which I um I have I've been only right. looking at that follower count for years and it's like stop it stop mm-hmm. it um which I think it's so important but I wanted to talk a little bit more about her because I unfortunately haven't tried, but I'm very excited to do it one day. Like, what are the things that make it a more healthier social media? Like, specific little parts that you can share with my listeners. Mm -hmm. So, right now we are so early on that we just launched our public beta. And that was almost like a test of our hypothesis, right? Like, app development now in 2021 is very different than if I was developing Instagram where you could just put something out. I was going to ask you... I have an ask, a question that was like, from one to 10, how hard it is, is it to build an app in 2021? <laughs> yeah, no, I can kind of answer that alongside uh, where we're at and where we're headed. Because yeah. with yeah. app development, you could have the perfect vision of how you want everything to be. And then you get it in front of your consumers and they're like, actually, this isn't working or this isn't something that's useful in my life. But for us, the problem remains the same, right? Like we want to create a place where people can build community. We know there's a problem. We know that we can find the solution. We just don't know exactly the best way to have that experience yet until we've tested it. So version one that's live right now that people in US and Canada on iOS can download is our public beta where you can post photos as you please. There are no follower counts. There are no like counts. Um, There are no excessive or intrusive notifications. Instead, we send you a daily affirmation if you opt into it at 11.11. And then there are daily journal questions called Beneath the Surface that you can respond to, uh, see other people's responses, and get to know people like the the title of the feature which is beneath the surface um and so i feel like that will be also like a good podcast thing like to answer your herd question of the day <laughs> i love that that's a great idea um i know ali and i have been talking about like wanting to start a podcast alongside her oh my so. god you have to i feel I like know, people need your point of view of like 
healthy and wellness and social media being a good thing and building community. I feel like that would yeah. be very good. But I mean, you're probably having like your hands full. So no, one day we'll add it to the vision yeah. board. Um, and so, yeah. And, and right now on herd, we don't have an excessive algorithm. It's purely based on the interests and categories that you say you want to be a part of and you're able to toggle your feed. So it's pretty lightweight. Uh, we really just wanted to understand if we create an environment where there's no numbers, how does that change the behavior of a poster? And what we've learned in the last two months of being live is that people are much more willing to share openly, authentically, far less filtered and curated when those numbers are removed. And so now the direction we're headed is driving home on that community piece. So PURD is probably not going to be the place like Pinterest where you're going to go and see all of these aesthetically pleasing photos, right? Like just when you don't have the pressure and it's not the brand of, of herd, there's no reason to post that. And we love that. But what that gives us a really good opportunity to do is focus on the people making the posts. So in the next few months, you'll be able to say out of a list of 200 things, these are the top 15 things I care about as a person. Maybe that's um, sustainability. Maybe that's social justice. Maybe that's dogs or horses or you know, fitness, right? Like I can pick what I care about and my discovery experience on herd will be curated with people who care about the same things that I do. And so when I see the photo of this person potentially on the beach, and they're also a dog lover who likes sustainability, I can then go and make a conversation out of that post. So we want to be the the touch point where you can find new people and then down the line of a place where you can have more private conversations with a group of 20 or less people who share those commonalities with you. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I have, I have so many things in my mind to say about that. Um, one thing you say, because I found you through fingers crossed podcast, um, yes. Christian Sierra, I love them. And I remember listening to the interview and Sierra was talking about the part about the algorithms, which I have so many opinions about, but I'm not going to get into that because I get kind of angry. So I'm just, but she, so I'm going to quote her. She was saying that she, and this happens to me on my both. I have a person on Instagram and a podcast Instagram, and it even happens to like my mom, my sisters, like it happens to everyone. You just see the same, like 10, 30 people all the time and it's like I follow oh my god it's it's kind of unhealthy and I have to do an unfollow speed 4,000 people mm -hmm. on my personal account because I don't see new faces and I forget that all the other people that I follow that don't show up I keep on following following and following and it's like that I just see the same 30 people and I'm just like I am so done with this yeah um, and then another thing I wanted to say which is kind of like a commentary um, I love the part about like authentic filter-free photos because I have a folder saved on Instagram and I talk a lot about Instagram because it's the main app I use and I feel yeah. like the main app everyone uses I have a folder say that it's called casual and there are people like people without filter normal people like with no makeup and photos that just you know when you're just feeling down on yourself and Instagram is too curated I just go to that folder and I'm like wow love I that. Love so I'm very excited to see her and had to have yes. that not to go to a folder on Instagram that I curated anyway so it, It kind of has like my bias, but I wanted to talk about like algorithms. Did you learn about algorithms like in your job on Google and YouTube or did you like learn about that through Instagram? And it was like, I'm not, I don't want to do an algorithm like this. I want to change it. Yeah, that's a great question. For me, uh, I learned about machine learning and what an algorithm is 
during my onboarding at Google, they talk a lot about machine learning. And so I, I knew the general concept and then working in ads, right? Like I'm working with advertising products that rely on some level of machine learning. So I was close to the subject matter and had to understand it on kind of a basic practitioner level. But when it came to understanding social algorithms, I that was really a focus of mine when I was doing TikTok consulting. I spent hours understanding how they did audiences, how they would group people together, why you would see the content that you would see, how something would do really well, why it would do well, why it wouldn't do well. And so for me, I became really fascinated with all of the ways in which TikTok had gamified basically our attention spans and very, very strongly. <laughs> Sorry, very, I'm laughing, but it's just. No, I know it's, it's, it's tragically funny. Um, and all the ways in which TikTok has very strongly grouped us and found new interests that we might have, right? Like if I was interested in roller skating. The For You page is insane sometimes. The For yes. You page is so accurate. It's insane. Right. And that has to do with the way in which they look at users and, and how they're watching things and their content behavior and, and the patterns overall of the entire platform. And so... I was fascinated by that. But for me, I think that it would be so much better if I understood as a consumer why I was seeing the content I'm seeing, right? Because you see this thing where now I'm on ADHD TikTok and that's, it's fun to see. But there was a period of time where I'm like, do I have ADHD? Like, why am I seeing this content? Does TikTok know something that I don't? And in reality, it's just that yeah. the people that watch ADHD content also are interested in the content that I'm interested in. And so then I got put in that bucket. But as a person- yeah, Alabama Rush thing. Right, Alabama <laughs> Rush. Like, wh how did I end up here, right? But- I don't even have I don't even have sororities where I am yeah. from. And I had all those videos. I was like, what is it saying? Like, do yeah. I need a great life in Argentina? What? what, what, what? Right. No, you're like, should I go rush right now? Like, do I need to drop everything? <laughs> I'm um, a senior, but I'm just going to go anyways. <laughs> I'm just going to go. It's it's my time. And so <laughs> that's like, obviously, we've put, I think the, the main point is that we've put so much trust in algorithms, understanding ourselves better than, than we do. Mm -hmm. And in reality, it is a machine. And you know what machines yeah. are missing? For the most part is the ability to understand like true human behavior and true human like, like emotion, like there's no like algorithm for what's going to make you feel Chemistry, the most love, yeah. right? Or there's not a, a way in which they can understand, a machine can understand when a huge life event happens to you until maybe you've already seen that content. Like they're not going to know that you went through a breakup because you were on the phone with your boyfriend and he just broke up with you. They're going to wait until you start watching breakup videos before um, they do yeah. that. And so I just want to get back to a place where technology is actually working for the thing we're trying to get to. And in our eyes, that's community and connection. And right now they're really working towards how can we get you to spend the most amount of time on this platform? It's a false idea of like, we're thinking, oh, we're just getting more curated content. It's like, no, we are getting exploited. Like our, our craving for dopamine is getting exploited. Yeah, and I feel like you see that if like if people don't understand that, and I I I used to be like, oh my god, that is not true, whatever. I saw social media and I was like, oh, 
they put the it's writing so you stay on the app waiting for the other person to respond to your message or whatever and it's like so addictive and it's like very very dangerous yeah very dangerous um and i was gonna say something and i oh my god i totally forgot it's gonna come back to me (laughs) someday (laughs) but no i had something to say about like algorithms and stuff oh i i remember I was listening to a podcast, it was a dating podcast, whatever, it doesn't really have to do, but the person was talking about, like, you need to, like, get off the dating app or whatever, because the dating app, its algorithm is not going to match you amazingly, like, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have the chemistry or it doesn't know you completely to match you with whoever it is matching you, like, it's probably going to get it wrong, so you don't have to trust blindly in the algorithm of the dating app, you have to trust your intuition and yourself and whatever, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was a great example because that's when I get like, oh, right. Like, it's it's a machine. Like, it's not true. It's not a person. It's just a machine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think the more that we can, as people in tech, the more we can expose or be transparent around why you're being shown the content that you are, um, it's okay to have an algorithm in place. Like, a lot of people want effortless content consumption or they want an easy swipeable experience on a dating app. But why are you matching me with this person? Is it because we have something in common? Is it because we both liked a certain person? Tell me because that'll help me build community with this person. That'll help me connect with this person. But that's what tells me that these platforms at the end of the day, that's not their focus because if it was, they would tell you. Exactly. And I feel like we should switch into like a place where technology serves us rather than us serving technology you know we are just feeding into this like big corporate things and we should just be like they should be wanting to serve us and us have a better life and better wellness and all around health and it's not like that (laughs) no exactly i hope that the next you know generation is focused on what we call as humane tech like tech that's truly for humane reasons so I 100% agree. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like um, while you were talking about community and everything, I feel like I love TikTok because it's like more unfiltered than any other social media, like newer social media. Uh, People are there like completely unfiltered. But there's this thing missing about the community because you follow someone and then probably you may never ever see them again on your For You page. And that's, I feel like the thing that sucks about TikTok. I'm like, I'm following these people. I want to see them. Mm Mm-hmm exactly uh but yeah that was just like a little thing that i wanted to say because i feel like tiktok got kind of like the unfit um of course there are these people that you follow that have like the perfect day and they film this perfect tiktok but i mean that happens everywhere i'm not shading those people i love your tiktoks i i am obsessed (laughs) with them (laughs) but i also i get that and then i get an an unfiltered tiktok and it's kind of like refreshing but it misses the community i don't know i just i've never thought about it that way and you're so right of course um, but then I wanted to talk about a little bit about how when did you realize that you could work on her full time because I feel like that must not have been easy, like an easy transition and also just realizing must have been like a crazy thing like hey I can just leave my full-time job and work full-time on my side hustle that must have been amazing yeah it was definitely a intentional decision like I probably could have left earlier but I also probably could have stayed if I wanted to I So I was working at YouTube at the time, um, basically had spent a year on herd. Eight months of that year was at YouTube. The other four months was when I was still in ads at Google. And I was just working on it in my free time on my own, you know, device and for a few hours a day. 
but then we were getting close to launch and I had this moment of like, okay, I'm living at home right now. I'm not paying rent, which I'm very grateful to have that privilege to do so. And I've been working at this tech job for three years. Like I can either take the next year or year and a half and go all in and put all of my energy towards this thing that I really care about, or I can look back and think, what if? And I knew that in order for her to be successful, both myself and my co-founder, Allie, needed to be all 100% in. We needed all of our mental energy focused on this. And so making the decision once I came to that realization of like, it's this or it's, you know, regret, I... I made the jump pretty easily, Um, but it wasn't, you know, without it's really challenging moments. There are still moments that are hard, of course. And we had been raising funds because we wanted to be able to hire more people and go full time. And so we raised a very small amount of money from uh, angel investors. And so that also enabled us to go full time and actually be able to have the means to support engineers because we were doing a lot of that financial support ourselves uh, while we had full time jobs. So the timing was right. The just commitment to the mission was there. And I've always thought like, at the end of the day, I'm never going to regret this because I'm going to come out the other side, a better, more, you know, whole person. And I felt like I was, I knew that this experience would teach me so much that who knows in a year's time from now, maybe heard is like completely done. And I've done everything I can. I, you know, knock on wood, that's not going to happen. But if that's the case, I will have gained so much from this experience. I will never look back on this with regret. And so I think having that mindset allowed me to feel comfortable. But I will say that going off and and doing your side hustle full time is something that comes with a lot of privilege. And I worked three years to be able to like pay for my college and to be able to have, you know, some level of financial stability, but I didn't have a a financial security net with my family. Yes, I'm living at home, but they don't financially support me at all and hadn't. And I don't think that's talked enough about as an entrepreneur, because you hear these stories of people that, you know, they lived on their parents, in their parents' basement, and they roughed it. But in reality, nine of the top 10 wealthiest entrepreneurs all came from families that were high income families. Jeff Bezos got an investment of $250,000 from his parents to start the business. And normal people don't have $250,000 to give to their son's idea. And so it would be, I, I think that conversation has always been really frustrating for me because I was asked, you know, right when I had the idea for her, like, are you gonna leave your job? And I'm like, I, I don't have a safety net. Like, no, I can't leave my job. And so, I think it's so important for people to recognize the additional like step it takes. And if you have something you want to do and you don't have that safety net, like it's okay to do what you need to do to build that safety net. So you can take the leap. There's no right timeline to live your life and don't feel pressure that you're not doing enough because you have to go and build that safety net first. I love that. I feel like that's not talked about enough in every single stage, in every single job, in every single entrepreneur. Because again, there's this whole thing about following your dreams and stuff, but there's a logical part of like living your everyday today life that if you don't have that safety net, I mean, it's going to be hard. And I mean, I mean, oh my God, the the top tier people there. And it also like happens with like, I see not to shade anyone in specific, I'm not going to give names, but I see influencers that have like, oh, oh my God, I quit my job to go on YouTube full time, whatever. And 
their families support them. Like, no shade to that. I mean, no. Thank God that you can do that. But for example, I cannot do that. I cannot leave whatever it is that I'm doing to do this podcast. I'm winning zero dollars and it's not going to change tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, you know, and it's just, I mean, it's something that I want to do in the future, but it's not that easy. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a whole logical part that you need to think about on the behind the scenes that people really don't talk about. And I'm yeah. I'm thankful that you have the this view and that you shared this in my podcast. It's really nice mm-hmm. to hear. It's refreshing. I feel like you have a refreshing kind of point of view in a, in all of the things um which I'm happy that her social <laughs> is getting all the attention that it has thank you. Thank you. um but I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the trends on social media and then I want to talk a little bit about being a female founder so to kind yeah. of tell you how we're gonna spend this few minutes that we have left but I want to talk a little bit about these trends about romanticizing your life and being that quote-unquote <sighs> girl and all of that because I used to like them and then I had so much like pressure to romanticize my life and be that girl. And I was like, oh, I want to be my girl, my, myself, mm-hmm. not that girl. Um, so what are your thoughts on that and how can her, her, be, her help people kind of step away from that idea and just be themselves, you know? Yeah. Not that girl. <laughs> oh my God. The that girl, you know, movement that's happening once again is really interesting i feel like and also every video no shade to anyone every video on youtube has that title and i guess it's clickbait but i'm just yeah. like but i get it stop it be yourself like we're all trying to be yeah. like are we all just trying no one's actually that girl because you can't be that girl and if you yeah. strapped it my my thought process when i see those videos because they're always like so well edited and they look so nice which i love they're like very aesthetically pleasing and artistic and they're fun to watch but if you Mm -hmm. strapped a gopro onto that person's head that's filming that video and actually walked through their day it would be a lot like it wouldn't actually be that that glamorous there would be moments that were not aesthetically pleasing and also the amount of energy that you have to put in to to make it look easy is far more difficult than anyone says i've actually thought about making some tiktok videos about like this is a realistic like this isn't me trying to be that girl this is like my actual day spills and I don't know if you see if you saw I get a lot of like this is a realistic day in New York in my life New York is my own my content uh, of course Uh, but it's like those realistic days in my life get so much more views and comments and like again community in the comments if you want to call it that than like the super edited super romanticized super high fashion days Mm -hmm. in our life because it's not attainable and it makes you feel bad about your life (laughs) oh 100 and what's interesting is like you actually, we've seen this trend exist um, in different ways over the course of Instagram. So, right, there was like, uh, there at first it was like Instagram versus reality. And that still kind mm-hmm. of exists today. Or And then there's like, do it for the gram. Hashtag no filter was the first version yeah. of this, right? Like we've- The Kylie Jenner ones. Right. I was there. Like, <laughs> you know, we've tried to have these moments. But what usually ends up happening is we skew the opposite way. So like we have- right now, the that girl movement, what I'm anticipating to happen is being like the anti that girl movement to happen. But what's mm-hmm. going to happen there too, is like, it's going to be people purposely going out of their way to, to not spill their coffee, right? And so that's always what happens, because those are things that drive what we think is success on social media, which is likes and views. And so once we remove the metrics, it's like, why are you actually doing this? What, what is the purpose for this content? If you are a person that enjoys being that girl, quote unquote, 
you'll keep doing it because it's genuinely how you live your life and you love to have that. But if you are doing it for this valid, the social validation, you're probably not going to keep doing it. Like there's no reason for you to do it. And so that's like a really big part of what we're trying to do on herd is like, okay, you, you have to come to t- ask yourself the question, like, why am I wanting to post this? What am I getting from this? And the whole point with focusing on community instead of the numbers is like, the reason you're posting something is to connect with people, to build community. Do you really want to build community around something that you're not? I don't. I'm not interested in having conversations with people who think that I am some version of me that I'm not. That's not going to be beneficial for me in the long term. And so that's the type of environment we're trying to create. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot about like how hard is going to be beneficial for specifically the people that are like going through a breakup or like a friendship breakup they usually just want to show like oh my god I'm so good I'm so much better look at me and actually it's not I feel like it's gonna be great for people who are going through that and yeah I love that I love I love everything that you said I have so many opinions about that 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 girl trend and like the morning routines that are super curated because I am very prone to comparison I've been comparison myself seeing like forever like I don't even know now when I started and that doesn't help I mean I love watching the aesthetic videos don't get me wrong but when it's a bad day I cannot watch one of those videos because, because yeah. I will go into a spiral of yeah. oh my god I'm waking up too late oh my god I'm not doing this yeah. I'm not having that breakfast I'm not working out and it's like oh my god stop right right 100% stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much but then uh, the little few minutes that we have left I want to talk a little bit about being a female founder because I think you said this on I don't remember where I, I heard you say this, but many people, a lot of, I think on the on the her social blog, I saw this. Mm-hmm. Um, many, all the people that have created all the social media that we use now have been men. And the most, um, yes, women are the people that usually are the most active on social media and use them. So what are your opinions on that? And yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I think the tech space in general desperately needs uh, women's voices to be heard. I also think on the internet, like when you have women's voices present and you create a better environment for those voices to be heard, you're creating a better environment for everyone. Like you're not just siloing out their voices. And so that's always been a fundamental belief. But when you look at who's been creating the platforms to date, like all of the major social platforms have been made by men. And before someone thinks, well, they were, they had a co-founder or they, all of them didn't have a co-founder that was a woman, but they had a lead designer or a lead dad that was a woman. When you are the founder of something, it is like your brainchild. And if you don't have the lived experience of what it's like to be a woman consuming media in any capacity, you're going to have a very different way of approaching a situation, a design, um, giving instructions to the people that are working for you. And so I think to have women founders in the tech space, especially in spaces that are so heavily, they're so heavily impacted by is crucial, but it's not easy. Like I will say the, the, especially the app and startup space for women is really tough. And a lot of that has to do with funding. The majority of successful apps out there are well-funded when you have a lot of money to spend and you have a good, if you have a good, strong vision, of course, if you don't have that, that's going to be a different story. But if you have a good, strong vision, you understand your problem, you understand your market, and you're willing to put in the work, the money is the last piece to making all of that happen. But if you don't have the funds to support that mission, that vision, that ethic, you're not going to be able to, to have a successful platform. That's just point blank, period. 
And in consumer social, which is the kind of category we sit in, um, we're not running ads and we're not monetizing right away, which is very common for um, mm-hmm. apps like us, like Instagram didn't you know, start monetizing for years. Reddit still hasn't started monetizing their platform, mm-hmm. but raising money in 2021 on a consumer social platform as a woman is a whole layer of complexity, especially given that last year, 2.8% of VC funds went to women, 2.8. And so you're already climbing an uphill battle. And what we've noticed in our conversations is like, we have great traction. We have just over 70,000 downloads. I come from the background of Google and YouTube. I have the experience in in social and working with influencers in past. Um, Ali comes from Google as well. And it's one of those situations where if we were not women, I am convinced that we would have, you know, a few million dollars in the bank around our idea already. But instead, the questions that we're asked in, in venture capital conversations are preventative questions, are around how we're going to monetize, are around how we're going to get this in front of people. And we could have the best answer in the world, but because we are climbing an uphill battle, it it has proven to be extremely difficult. And so it's one of those things where I see so much why, why people give up. It is exhausting. And I, my biggest hope is that the, the funds, there's a lot of funds really focused on funding women, but when they're doing that, right, they have to ensure that they get a return on their investment because they can't take as many risks as they need to use that money to fund the next round of people. And so I hope that um, the people that are really almost like the gatekeepers of success when it comes to app due to funding, that they take a step back and think around how they are able to believe in the, the mission and vision of a male and not a woman, because that's very, very much happening right now. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm also like such a, women rights and empowerment like believer and I I I try my best to put everything I mean I did the whole month of March all about women empowerment and to put like women at the front of my podcast even though I I always have like female uh, founders entrepreneurs and stuff but I wanted to put like themselves in the front because I feel like it's so important and sometimes people don't think about like not only about the fact that every social media platform we use is created by men, um, but also about the fact that women in tech are not supported and are not like they don't have the support that they need. I mean, I feel like social media spaces would be so much more healthier if they were led by women rather than men. Not to shame men in any way, but I feel like, as you said, they don't understand it because they don't use it and they don't like their comparison to other people. I mean, comparison be- between in between women is way worse than it's between men so I feel like if they will know it will be different but they don't and it's not to shade them but they should let a space for the people that know (laughs) exactly 100% agree so many opinions but uh, I wanted to close the episode with just like one advice that you have people for that are struggling with comparison or not feeling like that girl on social media and all of that rather than of course downloading her if you're in Canada or in the United States <laughs> of course. Um, but any kind of advice that you have for those people that are kind of struggling mm-hmm. right now with that yeah my biggest piece of advice is like <laughs> you're the only person that you're stuck with for your entire life even if you try to be someone else you're never going to be that person 
And that person's never going to be you. And that's such a gift. And so look at all of the things that you have going for you and all the struggles you've been through and just be proud of yourself for how far you've come. And how far you've come is where you're at today. It is not what else you could be doing. Um, Showing yourself love and showing yourself gratitude for all of the things that you've done to get you to this point will allow you to feel less focused on anyone else because they they don't get to be you. And that's that's the true beauty of life. Um, and comparison will just make you convinced that that's not the reality when in fact it is. Yeah, I feel like we should start the be you trend. <laughs> that would be very healthy for everyone. <laughs> yes, 100%. Uh... But thank you so much for being here with me today. Do you want to give yourself like a shout out where people can find you and all of that? Yeah, uh, you can find us on TikTok or Instagram at herd.social, I believe is our new. Um, we just changed our handles. So we're there. And then I'm also on um, herd at Maddie, M-A-D-Y, or on Instagram at Maddie Dewey, M-A-D-Y-D-E-W-E-Y. Perfect. Thank you again so much for coming on today. And to everyone else, I'll see you next week. Bye.